Al Jazeera podcast. This is the sound of bulldozers in the Indian state of Haryana, near the capital, New Delhi. They're pulling down a neighborhood, one building at a time. This is like literally state destroying everything that someone owns, everything they have built together. More than 300 were demolished. The buildings were shops and homes that mainly belonged to Muslims in Haryana, in the district of Nu. They were deemed illegal and torn down by the local government this week. The Haryana government is run by the Hindu nationalist Bharatiya Janata Party, or BJP, the party led by Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Last week, violence shook Nu. Right-wing Hindu groups aligned to the BJP marched through it in a religious procession. From there you can see people, they have gathered there, they, they have stones in their hand. Uh, they are from the one community and on the other side, people from the other community is also holding uh, guns, uh, stones and many other things. Tensions erupted. Frenzied mobs surge through. Smoke rises ominously on the horizon. The next day, the violence spilled over to a nearby city when a Hindu mob burned a mosque and killed an imam. As for the government demolitions in New, Muslims feel they are retribution for their alleged role in last week's clashes. And government critics say it falls into a broader pattern of violence against Muslims since Modi took power in 2014. So what space exists for Muslims in Modi's India? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. The demolitions have been halted for now. But this week, a local high court raised the idea that the ones that took place might be an act of ethnic cleansing by the state. So I spoke to journalist Muhammad Ali to hear how it unfolded. I've been reporting a lot, a lot on violence against Muslims, especially from the right-wing Hindu groups. So, Muhammad, let's just dive right into what we're seeing currently. Can you set the scene for us a little bit? Tell us about where Nuh is in India, who lives there, what's been happening there over the past few weeks. Well, Nuh would be barely... 20 miles from the national capital. It's adjacent to the commercial hub of India, this place called Gurgaon. For the last uh, two weeks, it has been witnessing communal violence, especially attacks on Muslims, mosques, and destruction of source of Muslim livelihoods and uh, Muslim houses. No is a Muslim majority area. Mm. What happened was that on July 31st, uh, one of the main reasons why violence erupted in Nuh was uh, a religious procession by the Hindu right-wing groups called Bajrangdal and Vishwa Hindu Parishad. That procession turned violent. A procession was attacked, and then in turn, a mosque was attacked by the Hindu right-wing groups, killing the priest, uh, the imam of the mosque. Muhammad, what is... A religious procession. What are we talking about here? What what happens and what's the point of it? A procession will look like 
a big truck the idol will be on uh, very visible it will be at the top of the vehicle and a large crowd will follow that truck or the vehicle there will be lots of music it's very dramatic mm-hmm. it has a potential to be very provocative mm-hmm. especially if you know the crowd starts raising very uh, objectionable and provocative and offensive slogans against the people who live in the area through which the procession is going mm. so if if you can imagine this crowd of say 200 people are going through noon which is a muslim area and they are carrying swords and sometimes they they also carry uh, revolvers and other weapons oh wow this is an area that according to india's 2011 census is about 77% Muslim. And Muhammad says in the past, a Hindu procession going through a Muslim-majority area isn't something that would have happened. If we count like 10 years before, now, this situation would not have been allowed. Generally, the governments would be very careful and extremely sensitive about these processions, be it from uh, Hindu groups or Muslim groups. the administration is very careful in ensuring that there is no possibility of a violence that muhammad says was all before prime minister modi's hindu nationalist government came to power it seems like the administration especially in the bjp ruled states behave as if they don't care about what's going to happen and if the clashes are going to break out so what they do is that they will allow or uh, extremely provocative and extremely violent groups like Vishwa Hindu Parishad and Bajram Dal which are by the way ideologically part of Narendra Modi's uh, ideological family and that is the reason why the police does not stop them a hindu right wing uh, activist a hindu right wing uh, what should i say a vigilante uh, called monu maneser According to some claims the trigger for the clash was rumors surrounding the attendance of a Bajrang Dal leader Monu Maneser He had posted a video that he is going to organize a this rally this procession without any qualms without any concern without any worry that he will be stopped I will be participating in the procession myself and our whole team will also be there So all brothers with full strength should go in the name of the holy mother the cow and lord shri ram and join the procession in noor when he announced it there was lots of voices raised against it from the muslim community mm-hmm. some of them gave a call for protest against monu maneser dharyana administration should have taken action which should have ensured that monu maneser does not do this it didn't happen you know the haryana administration didn't take any uh, any any action at all so monu manisar he's known as a cow vigilante which is a phenomenon in india that you've covered in the past but for people outside of india can you break that down for us what is cow vigilantism okay so what we need to remember is that cow is considered sacred by a large section of hindus mm-hmm. the thing is that the cow meat is a very uh, cheap source of protein so there was a time say 40 years ago when 
a large number of even Hindus would eat cow meat. Okay, I have no hesitation in saying that. Mm -hmm. But if I say that today, it will be a big controversy because the slaughter of cow is prohibited. There are laws against it in a large number of Indian states. The right-wing Hindu groups have made cow at the center of their political agenda and they've made cow as a source of mobilization of Hindus. So cow slaughter and cow vigilantism as, as we know it now, right now in India, has become an excuse to beat and thrash people who carry cows or even cattle, even buffaloes, for agricultural purposes. Self-appointed guardians of cows, which are sacred to Hindus, claim they're being illegally slaughtered. And they're not afraid to use violence to stop that. And that is why what has happened is that a large number of uh, right-wing Hindu activists have become extrajudicial or, you know, they take law in their own hand. They say that we don't trust the police to stop cow slaughter. We will stop cow slaughter. They are tied to a car. They are beaten with rods and lattes. They are then stripped in broad daylight. Police does nothing. They start roaming the roads and highways. All those routes from where cattle are carried, members of Bajrang Dal and Vishwa Hindu Parishwad, they have started beating Muslims, killing Muslims, lynching Muslims. Which brings us back to Nu and Monu Manisar. One of the reasons Muslims and Nu were outraged by Manisar's announcement is because of an earlier act of cow vigilantism this year. Manisar, who is actually a part of the Haryana government's cow protection task force, was also listed in a police report as one of the accused in the killing of two Muslims in the name of cow protection in February. Two charged bodies uh, have been found in a burnt SUV in Haryana's Bhivani district, allegedly kidnapped and burnt on the suspicion of being cow smugglers. Monumanisar is not alone. There are at least a thousand cow vigilantes working in different parts of the country. I, in the course of my reporting career, I have reported on and profiled lots of cow vigilantes and they're heroes, you know, in their groups. They have great following. They are uh, a center of uh, attention in their own communities. And even the administration, and like in BJP rule states, they do not want to take action against these people. People like Monu Manesar. Nothing happened to him. After the break, how the demolition of Muslim homes and shops in Haryana fits into this recent violence. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Mohammed, I'm going to just recap events here. There was violence in Nu last Monday, and we know that right-wing Hindu groups aligned with the ruling party, the BJP, were involved. The next day, in another area, Gurugram, 
an imam was killed by a Hindu mob after it burned his mosque. And now this week, more than 300 Muslim homes and shops have been bulldozed in New, and it's actually been led by the local BJP government in that state. So the demolitions, we haven't talked about those yet. How do the demolitions fit into all of this? What's happening there? Well, you know, law and constitution are supposed to safeguard people and, and its citizens. But interestingly, in today's India, law has become an instrument to curtail the, the human rights of Muslims and its Christians. That's the tragedy of this setup, the Indian law and order. But the law itself becomes a carrier of violence and law itself becomes a, becomes a source of, uh, of discrimination and, and curbing of human rights. India has turned totally majoritarian in the last 10 years. Uh, under, under Modi, its institutions have become majoritarian. Its courts have become majoritarian, which was supposed to safeguard human rights. For example, Human Rights National Human Rights Commission. It has not said anything in the last several years. The government says the homes and shops were illegal encroachments. But Haryana's home minister has also said that bulldozers are part of the, quote, treatment, end quote, for dealing with alleged perpetrators of the violence last week. And Mohammed feels that second statement is a more accurate reflection of what's actually going on. What has happened these days is that, especially in cases of communal violence, especially in cases of conflicts between Hindus and Muslims, what happens here is that the state goes and sends a bulldozer to demolish the houses, demolish the shops. Why? Because someone has been accused. A Muslim has been accused of throwing stones at the procession, you know, just because there has been an accusation. Mm. And it's just because of these accusations. It's interesting because it's a tactic that we've seen in Israel when it comes to the Palestinians. Absolutely, you know. And because it's been demolished by the state itself, now where will you go? You don't have recourse to justice. And, you know, what is very interesting and what is very, uh, it was out of a bit of relief as well, the Haryana High Court, it took uh, so much of recognition of the ongoing demolition of Muslim houses and Muslim shops. And they said that the issue arises whether the buildings belonging to a particular community are being brought down under the guise of law and order problem, and an exercise of ethnic cleansing is being conducted by the state. So this court is asking whether these demolitions are an exercise of ethnic cleansing, and they've ordered a halt to the bulldozing for a few days. But, Mohammed, this violence isn't isolated. Right. So on the same day that the clashes broke out in New. A police officer shot and killed his colleague and three Muslim men on a train in the state of Maharashtra. He was caught on video saying, if you want to live in Hindustan, which is a name for India used by many Hindus, you must vote for Modi. There have also been lynchings of Muslims who are suspected of eating beef in the name of Hindu nationalism. You talked about that. And then there's ongoing ethnic violence in the Northeast in the state of Manipur. So when you take all of that, what is the government's response to these situations? I mean, the, you know, it's, 
it's like there's no response mm. the government is is complicit in all this what happened in the train is a result of years of the hate speech years of hatred years of legitimization of hate speech by the government in the last almost 9 10 years the modi government has not ever punished anyone for any kind of hate speech and not only that you know in the last 10 years more than like 500 muslims must have lynched i mean you know it must be more than a thousand like you have a minister in modi government raising slogans desh ke gaddaron ko goli maro salon ko you know in hindi it says that kill every traitor of of this country now in the context of this slogan was that muslims were protesting against the citizenship amendment act which said that a non citizen person uh, of every other faith can become a citizen of india except muslims many here see the passage of the citizenship amendment bill as a clear message from the hindu nationalist government that they are second class citizens muslims were protesting in delhi and we have a minister anurag thakur encouraging hindus to raise arms against muslims people who have killed muslims people who have lynched muslims have been awarded and facilitated they have been treated as martyrs when they die the state has totally sent an indication the state has sent a message that muslim lives don't matter we won't be able to protect muslim lives we do not care about muslim existence it's so triggering for me as a muslim man as a muslim journalist to report on these things speaking of that as a muslim journalist and and as someone who spends a lot of their time in india how do you feel well i think i think i it's 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 almost like brings down the memory of this question because i wrote a detailed piece in in baffler it was titled this the screen uh, and the question that i posed was is this the end for muslims in india mm-hmm. when i mean you know it's uh, what should i say like the answer will be uh, it will be pretty long but all i need to say that you know modi's modi's india is a living nightmare for india's muslims you know As Muslim journalists, we are the first in line to report and write on it, to confront it and document these hate crimes as professionals. Yet most of us are too afraid to speak. We cannot report and write what we feel, and that is our destiny, you know. Muslim stories cannot help against the horrors of Hindutva anymore. We became journalists thinking that we'll be able to do something, we'll be able to stop actions against Muslims. but right now you know most muslim journalists that i know are facing depression and trauma for some time now muslims have been wondering about our future in the hindu rashtra or hindu republic and what i feel that sometimes that it will demand our obedience debasement and public humiliation we will have to learn to live outside the protection of law watching our helplessness feed the hubris of a triumphant hindu public to quote this line this paragraph from the piece that i wrote modi has reduced us 
all of us to our immediate identities. As Muslims, we experience an existential threat that overrides all other aspirations. We once felt entitled to an honest life of dignity in India. That dream is over and there is no getting around this fact. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Malhotra and David Enders with Zaina Bazar, Chloe K. Lee, Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, Sonia Bagat, Miranda Lynn, Berenice Campana, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>